listening to She's a Powerhouse. My name is Holly Calloway, and I'm here to share with you some stories of ordinary women who have done some extraordinary things in hopes that you'll get comfortable being uncomfortable, be okay with pushing your boundaries, and do some extraordinary things yourself. Welcome to this episode of She's a Powerhouse. Today we have with us Noelle Ellie, who is a producer in New York City. So just three days after graduating, she moved out there, pursued a career in acting, and got herself into doing producing for events for things like best-selling authors, yogis, spiritual gurus, all of these amazing human beings. I recognized some really big names, which is very cool. Um, And she does amazing things like acting on episodes of Blue Bloods and in major television and uh, motion picture industry things. And I'm super excited to get to know her and to introduce you to her and some of the things that got her into what she's doing today. It's a really cool story. And I'm really excited for her to share us with this, share it with us. So Noelle, welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. So tell me about, as I was just like kind of reading through your bios and things like that, three days after graduation, I so am excited to get to that part of the story, <laughs> but I want to start by digging into before graduation. Mm-hmm. How did you get into say the arts into being and doing what you do now? What led you as a, like, even as a kid, how did you grow up in a place that was conducive to becoming what you are today? Sure. Well, so I, um, spent the first 10 years of my life in Florida Um, so I'm a beach girl and my parents would, um, they were professional singers and so they were also evangelists. So they would travel, um, Southeast, uh, Florida and, uh, just singing and being on stage all the time and performing. So I was always around it. Um, and then we moved to South Carolina when I was 10 and I started modeling in Charlotte, North Carolina, um, around like 12, 13. And so I did that growing up. And then, um, at 15 in high school, I was asked to be a featured extra on a film. And, uh, that's when I kind of got my feet wet and then I started booking commercials. And so I really loved it, but I sort of had that thought of like, I'm not an actor. I'm just a model. Like I, you know, that was like a limiting belief that I had. And then, um, you know, my parents were very big on the arts. So they always encouraged go after your dreams. Like they didn't really care about school. They, they, they weren't like, you know, get straight A's. They were like, no, go after your dreams. You have to miss school to do this commercial, do it, you know? So it was, it was wonderful. Uh, and you know, there were times where I was sort of like, I got a C, I should have gotten an A, right. You know, that was kind of the, the thought behind it. Um, (laughs) Like the stereotypical uh, American life, right? Like, why aren't you angry that I'm yeah, not doing better? Yeah. I, I used to literally ask them, like, can I have chores? Like, I just was that weird kid who wanted that sort of like typical um, structure and they were very unstructured. So they were very, awesome. very supportive. Um, but uh, it was an, a, a very eclectic household. That's awesome. There's a friend of mine who I always joke that I wish I could live in a van. Like I have a, I'm a hippie at heart and she grew up that way. And she goes, it sounds great until your parents are making you do it. It's fun, right? Like we all want what we didn't have growing up and that's awesome. So Mm post-graduation, like with your, your artsy support system, right? Moved to New York, but then opened a production company. 
which is a whole different kind of track. I would love to know this story about how you went from that to this and then kept them both, both the acting and that going on at the same time. Yeah. Well, that was, it was wild because, so I moved to New York at 18 and, and my, my high school teacher, actually him and his girlfriend drove me in their car to New York. They were going to up upstate and, uh, I was like, can I, can I hitch a ride? And, and so I rode with him there. And um, so I did the whole struggling artist thing for a long time. Um, I was modeling, uh, but modeling became unhealthy for me. I developed an eating disorder and it was just like not the greatest situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started taking acting classes and realized, oh, wow, that is my, that's my love. I want to be doing that. And while I was acting, I, I mean, I literally had every job under the sun. I waited tables. I was the girl in like a chef hat and a costume passing out flyers. I cocktail waitress. I bartended. I nannied. I was um, a a stylist. I was an assistant. I mean, literally like every job I had it. And then I had modeled at uh, Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week and um, realized I didn't want to do that anymore. And someone said to me, Oh, well, why don't you, why don't you get involved in the production? You seem like an actual producer. So then I started producing Mercedes-Benz fashion week and, um, still kind of had that limiting belief of like, I'm not a producer. What are you talking about? And then I realized, Oh, wow. I actually, I have this skill set. And, um, a woman named Gabby Bernstein, uh, uh, came up to me at fashion week and said, oh my God, Noelle, you have to come work for me. You have to produce all of my events. And I was like, okay, sure. And so I like went home and Googled, how do you produce a live (laughs) event? I mean, literally like I have Google to thank for my entire life Um, and literally Googled it. And, uh, And then from there, I became her director of operations. I was producing her radio show. I was producing all of these things. And then from each event that I produced, someone would come up to me and say, hey, will you produce my event? And so it became this word of mouth thing to where all of a sudden I realized while I was producing and still nannying and still bartending and doing all of these things, oh, I can have a lucrative living. You know, like I... I don't have to be a struggling artist. I can make money and still pursue my love. So I bit the bullet and started my own production company and was terrified. And many actors and many people around me said, you can't be an actor and still, and and have your own company. Like nobody's doing that. And, and (laughs) here we are. Exactly. Who cares that nobody's doing it? That doesn't mean that you can't. I love that. What was the... What was the light bulb? Where was the moment where you were like, oh my gosh, I could make money doing this. I can make a living. Um, um, <laughs> so when other people, I, so, so Gabby, I, I really have to thank for, I, I learned so much from working with her and cause she is boy, she's a hustler. And, uh, uh, but I started out making $15 an hour with her. Like I, and that's living in New York city, which is, you know, not great. And, um, and so when other people would ask me to produce their events, I would, you know, charge much more than that. And then there was a, a, a weekend event I was asked to produce and I, um, it was the most I'd ever been paid. And I said, 
it's going to be $16,500. And they were like, all right, wrote the check. And I was like, oh my God. And so I remember going back to Gabby being like, I need a raise. And, um, you know, but I realized from that moment, wow, my worth is actually whatever I want to charge. Like it's, it has not, I mean, it doesn't even have to do with that, but like, I can actually honor my worth and get paid my worth. And, um, and so, so yeah, I think it was, I think it was around the time I just kept charging more and more. And, um, when I made that, that first chunk of change, I was like, oh, all right. Just stepping out and doing it that one time, kind of testing the waters. Totally. The switch. Yeah. And I definitely, I mean, look, I, I, I lost potential clients when, you know, my fee was too outrageous for them or whatever, but I attracted the right ones and, you know, the right ones have no problem paying someone what their fees are, you know? Yeah. That's huge. When you were growing up. So a lot of the women that I end up talking to, we have a whole program for women who are considering starting a business, right? Like, mm-hmm. do I have what it, do I have what it takes in resources, but also in mindset mindset's a way bigger issue. Like you can bootstrap something for a couple grand and start a business, but if you truly believe that you can't, then you can't, you totally have to work on that. Right. Yeah. So growing up, did you have, was that stuff implanted in you? And was it like a part of your surrounding that like, we don't make that much money or especially as evangelists, I'm sure your parents didn't like make bank and weren't rolling in it kind of thing, right? Like didn't grow up in the opulence of, yeah. of, of evangelism. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> was yeah. that, did you find that as a sort of a stumbling block as you want? Was that something you really had to work through? What did it take that first time to like, say I'm worth $16,000 for this event? You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because yeah, I mean, we definitely did not have money growing up. And I I shared a post recently on my, on my Instagram where I was very honest with that. And I mean, we, my parents, we were on food stamps. A lot of we were evicted from our home. We lived in hotel rooms. I mean, like in order for me to get to high school, I'd have to literally like walk down the street and collect change. So I could get 99 cents, just to put a gallon of gas in my car to get to and from school. Like times were tough. Um, but my parents were always really great about just both of them. I mean, my mom passed away in 2016, but both my parents just have always been really incredible in not only finding the good in people, but finding the good in any situation. So no matter what life throws at you, you know, always putting a smile on your face. And, and, you know, it's been to the point at times where I've struggled with like, okay, let me not be so unrealistic, you know, let me, let me actually be in reality here. But I'm so grateful for that because they really instilled just a faith in me that I can do anything I, I put my mind to. And, um, and, you know, like my, my father went from literally, uh, you know, being on food stamps to now he makes well over seven figures and he really busted his ass. And, and I've just, I've seen when you, when you work hard, it can pay off. And, um, and so, yeah, I think they, they instilled that faith in me that I just never let go of, but there were definitely times. I remember one time I, I told a client that I no longer wanted to work with them. And this client, you know, tried to talk a little bit and didn't receive it well. And I felt a little blacklisted and it was really scary. And that was probably like one of the lowest points in my business career. And my husband put on this motivational tape and it was of this pastor, um, talking and and he said he was at a low point and his grandma said, put your head up high. It doesn't matter. You walk with your head high. And that just always stuck with me. And I just thought, yeah, it doesn't matter what what life throws at you. If you, if you 
keep on keeping on, you know, you can't ever fail. That is, it is so, that is so beautiful. I love that. I also want to point out for people who are listening that you can find good in everything and like have that trait and also still grind and make seven figures. That's the same man that you're talking about, right? Like your dad, he didn't change and decide that like the world is cruel and I can be evil and make money. Like he's the same dude. You're the same person who grew up finding 99 cents to put gas in your car. Who's now running this massive production company and acting at the same time. Like you're doing fantastic things. I think too many of us get that idea in our mind that it's, it's kind of funny right before we started rolling, we were talking about Apple products and how I, I I haven't Mm. made the leap, but God bless it. If clubhouse doesn't make me want to, like I have got FOMO, (laughs) like nobody's business. And I said, I'm just going to have to be one of those rich assholes who switches to Apple. (laughs) It's just those things get ingrained in us, right? That you can't be rich and a decent human. And you could totally make money and be a decent human. You seem like a decent human to me. Yeah. I, don't. <laughs> I try. <laughs> I try. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it turns out. Can no, you have I, a little longer? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I keep talking, we'll figure it out. That's too good. Um, so tell no, me. But it's so, it's so true. Like, it, yeah. especially like our parents and our, our parents, parents, our grandparents, like they all, you know, what they say sticks with us. And I, you know, it's so funny. I had this experience I don't know how you're going to feel about this, but I, I had a plant ceremony experience recently and, uh, I feel memory, really good about that for the record. Uh, you speak, nice. on, speak okay. on it. Yeah, no, <laughs> it was so powerful. It was so powerful. I've been dealing with a lot of health stuff and it's, it's definitely a part of my healing journey and going to continue to be a part of it. But I realized that there's a certain area, you know, like I stored something right here that my grandmother said. And it, I, I literally stored my, my body held onto it and I, I released it and it was such a beautiful thing, but I just think like, it's so important to be mindful of like what we're saying, you know, there's power of life and death in the tongue. Right. And so like what we're saying, is that us, or is that something that's been projected onto us and, and become ingrained only because it's a habit, but not actually our truth. And so for me, I've been trying to really in the past decade, continue to like peel back the layers and uncover my own truth. That is, oh my gosh, that is so beautiful. And the mindfulness that you have to have to recognize. I've been working with a few people lately on, it's just how I am. No, 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 no. no. There's almost nothing that is just how you are. It's all something that you've picked up along the way that was taught to you, ingrained in you, birthed in you, whatever. Um, And that, that mindfulness journey is so powerful um, that you're continuing to go through that. Do you find it that things cycle back around? Like as you're peeling the layers, you kind of come across the same things that you feel like you've maybe healed from, but they pop back up time and again. Totally. You know, I, um, my mom, uh, my mom passed away from cancer and in her journey, um, of being diagnosed. And then when she passed, it was such a beautiful journey because she was proof that like you can teach an old dog new tricks. Right. And, and, you know, there was so much on uncovering with her and and she went through some, some real trauma. And I would say to her, like, mama, you got to, you got to heal. We got to, we got to work on this. We got to, we got to get clarity around why you're holding on to why your body is holding on to this. And she would say, I've healed, I've healed. And, and literally on her deathbed, she had said to me like, oh, there's these memories coming back. And, and, and we uncovered like you think you've healed and then you get to heal some more. And that's the beauty of life. And so 
Um, yes, I feel like a lot of it comes back to childhood stuff mm-hmm. and, um, it can even be something that seems so mind, like so small and, and, and not a big deal, very insignificant when really, you know, our seven-year-old selves got hurt by whatever was said and has now stored it. And so whenever someone reminds you of what was said, you know, like similar to what was said, you're going to then get triggered by it. And so, yes, I think it comes back around and you just continue to do the work. That's beautiful. What have you found to be the most like prolific, uh, the most useful resources in, in going through those processes and becoming mindful and doing the work. You said, it's been like, I have no idea how old you are and I won't ask, but you said about the last decade, right? So that, yeah. that time frame, what started that and, and what keeps you going? What are the resources that you constantly come back to, to help you through that? Um, yeah. So, uh, I've always had, I've always been, um, I grew up Christian and, and I'm, I'm definitely much more spiritual now, but I've always had a, a spiritual like faith, like I said. Um, uh, and I've always had like a yoga practice and a meditation practice. Um, so for me, um, meditating has been huge. Um, uh, an old friend of mine says, um, if you don't have time to meditate, do you have time to feel like shit? And I love that, you know, I think there's, yeah, yeah. There's so much truth to that. Like, oh, I don't have time. All right. Well, do you have time to feel like shit? And so for me having some sort of meditation practice or breath work, um, breath work has been huge for me in 2020. I was really resistant to meditation, which has been a first. Um, and so I started doing more breath work and, uh, through that I've, also discovered where I'm storing emotion in my body and, and it's like a way to release it. Um, so having some sort of morning practice, um, been really important for me. Marianne Williamson says when you start your day, um, and you give it to God, you know, God is actually in control of your day. So like, it doesn't matter whatever happens in your day, when you've spent that time in devotion, whether it's in prayer or journaling or meditating or whatever it is, you've given it away. So, you know, you're being guided. And I, I, that's always stuck with me as well. Um, so having a morning practice is huge for me and it changes. Sometimes it's just meditation. Sometimes it's just breath work. Sometimes it's just journaling. Sometimes it's yoga. Um, that is important. Moving my body is important in some form, even if it's jumping on my rebounder for 10 minutes, getting those like energetic juices flowing. And, um, and then probably the biggest thing is outing myself. And so what I mean by that is um, I had a situation where a friend directed this really big film and I was up for one of the lead roles and I was so excited. And um, it was uh, uh, premiered on Amazon. It was like a big deal. I didn't get it. And it went to a name, which is fine. And uh, later we had dinner and he was telling me um, about the characters and about filming. And I was so excited for him. And then he said, yeah, you know, and we just had one actress and, uh, she was so good. I wrote it. I wrote a part for her and I was like, (laughs) okay, good for her. Uh uh And we kind of look similar. Like we're both Brown, we have Brown hair, Brown eyes. And so I created a whole story around it and I came home and I was like angry. And I was telling my husband, like, this is my friend. Obviously, he doesn't think I'm a good actress. He wrote her apart. He wrote me apart, you know. And he just kept saying, what else? 
And just literally like as a man, like sitting there, what else? And I was like, and this and that and this and that. And then he just kept saying, okay, tell me more. Oh, and so I'm telling him. And then all of a sudden I just break down and I say, I just feel so sad because I'm not enough as I am, you know, and it, it, it was just like, peel back, peel back peel back. And so it was so beautiful. And and I've said to him many times since, like whenever I'm in some sort of funk, emotional funk, that's exactly what you're to do because that was so empowering. And, you know, it maybe took 20 minutes and, and all of a sudden we uncovered, Oh, I'm that little girl that didn't get picked in basketball. You know what I mean? Like, that's why I'm getting so triggered when in reality, this girl is phenomenal and was the part that he wrote in. There's no way I could have been that part. You know what I mean? And so it was just such a beautiful thing. So I think when we're feeling the feels, I used to hold on to it and then be resentful or angry. But if I out to my husband or my best friend or whoever it is, we can then uncover what's really at the root of it. And then I can actually heal. That is such a powerful practice. And what else? And what else? And what else? Mm -hmm. There's a, um, so I, gosh, I wish I could remember just to, to cite it, but there was a, I learned somewhere a technique where you seven, but why? Like, Mm. what do you, what do you want out of life? I want to be able to travel. Okay. But why? Cause I never got to when I was a kid. Okay. But why? Oh, because we grew up, you know, a certain way and you just keep going until you recognize like, I want the new iPhone. Okay. But why? And eventually you find out it's because all of your friends have it. It's not really about the, you, you don't think yours is good enough or, or whatever. Right. It's right. because I want to, I want, and it's not just that my friends have it, but I, I feel different and I don't mm-hmm. like feeling different. Right. So like the, but why mm-hmm. is until you get down to it. Yeah. Love yeah. that. Yeah. It is such, and I love mm-hmm. that you have people. That's amazing that you have a human in your life who can sit there and and go through that with you. That's super powerful and amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it it is. And I remember asking him, I was like, how did you know to do that? Because Tony Robbins and um, uh, a friend of mine, Mastin Kip, they both kind of have that terminology in their teachings. And I was like, did you did you listen to Mastin? Did you listen to Tony? Like how? And he he's like, no, I don't know. I just intuitively felt like that's what you needed. And I was like, oh, well, beautiful. you intuitively felt right. Yeah. <laughs> you, you and <laughs> there's, is there anything stronger to a man than you're right? Yes. You're intuitively right. right. Even better. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. I love that so much. So I, I, I want to segue this back into how do you utilize that morning practice, the meditation, the, the work you're doing on yourself to do what people were saying, like, Hey, people don't do that. How do you utilize that to to, to marry a life of being a producer and mm-hmm. earning what you're worth there and still following your passion and your love of, of doing the acting. How do you, how do you yeah. utilize that to pull it all together? Well, you know, it's funny because and this probably isn't the answer you're going to be expecting, but like, uh, so I am right now at this very interesting crossroads because I'm dealing with a ton of health stuff. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm on this like epic health journey. And part of the reason I, I know part of the reason I'm on it is I have been masterful at sharing other people's story and getting them exposure and, and publicity and, and putting them in the limelight, but I haven't been shown. And as a result, my health has been suffering because I haven't been truly living in full alignment of what my purpose is. And so 
it's, it took getting sick for me to hit this place of like, all right, I got to tell my story now it's time. Damn it. Like it, you know, it, it really did. And, and I wish, um, you know, I had a moment last night where I was just like feeling sad and sorry for myself and was like, I can't, ugh, this is not how I should be spending my 25 to 35 age range. Like this isn't how I should be spending my time. Um, and at the same time, I'm so grateful because the lessons I'm learning from it are so profound. And so, uh, you know, if I could share anything, it's like, don't take, uh, don't let it take a traumatic experience or sickness to wake you up. If you have a passion or a calling in your heart, uh, listen to it. And when you're in alignment, it will flow. And, um, you know, that doesn't mean there's not going to be hiccups along the way, but, um, trust it and you'll continue to be guided because the one thing I can say is, is on this journey, right doors have opened and the right doors have shut. And so another thing that I'll often say is um, make it abundantly clear. So if I have a new client that comes to me or a new person that comes to me that wants to be a client, if it doesn't feel like an energetic match, I'll say, all right, God, make it abundantly clear shut the door if it's, if it's, you know, slammed, if it's meant to be, if it's not meant to be and open it, if it is. And there have been times doors have slammed in my face and I didn't know why. Um, but it's because I'm being guided. So I think asking for whether you believe in God or universe or whatever it is, like asking for that guidance and trusting in it and sometimes doing the thing that doesn't make sense on paper. When I started my company, it did not make sense on paper at all, you know, Preach like that shit girl. Yes. Right? yes. It, it made, it made zero sense. My, my mom was, was, I was like worried about saving her and, and like flying to take care of her. And then I was starting my company and then I was also auditioning and then on set and like, it, it made zero sense, but it, it served a purpose. And what's really cool is what went, what went from producing an event, producing a, a fashion show to producing an event then leaned into producing TV and film. So like, it, it, like trust that all roads lead to Rome as well. And it's awesome. just like, do, do you want a straight road or do you want a curvy road? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which detours totally. do you want to I want to pull two things out of that, especially for the people who are listening because they're a beautiful little gold nuggets. Firstly, listen to the little pains so they don't become big pains, right? Like if you listen when the little things are coming, you don't necessarily have to have that rock bottom hit the trauma have something smack you in the face. If you're paying attention as you go, it is a little bit tougher to learn to pay attention to the small pains. I've learned that like, until you felt something big enough to rock you, you almost yeah. don't have the sensitivity to grasp the small things. Like that's a really difficult thing to teach. And I think it's kind of a yeah. difficult thing to learn to say like, okay, but what is that feeling you're having right now? It's like trying to teach somebody to tune into their intuition. It's mm -hmm. because it's hard to describe and everybody's a little bit different. Totally. I I agree with that. And there's something I recently discovered called human design. Have you heard about it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I love it because, so for me, I'm a, a manifesting generator. I'm a one, three, and I have sacral authority. And so what that means is, uh, I have very, very strong intuition and that how that often speaks for manifesting generators is if it's a yes, you'll hear a, uh, -huh, and if it's a no, you'll hear, a uh, -uh. but that didn't really speak to me. So I was like, ah, I don't, 
I don't know about that. And then I realized I had um, in different situations, friends asked me a different series of questions. And when it's a yes, it's a hell yes for me. I light up my whole body. I'm like, oh my God, yes. And when it's a no, I, I sort of push back and I'm very uncertain. And so it's like trusting when it's a yes for you and, and, and trusting when it's a no for you, even if it doesn't logically make sense. And so I think like just remembering that it doesn't have to, um, as long as your channel is clear. And what I mean by that is if like you've meditated about it, if you've talked about it, if you've journaled about it, if there's a lot of fear wrapped around it, often I feel like that's ego, right? Mm -hmm. And so sometimes it's just a no and there's no reason and there's no fear. That's okay. Trust Mm -hmm. it. So I think it's like you have to jump and just know the net will appear, but it's scary. It is. It is. And sometimes it's like you're three inches from the ground before that net shows up and continuing Mm -hmm. to trust is difficult for me. It's a, um, it's whether I feel like I'm, I'm gripping with my toes or with my heels. So like either I'm leaning in and gripping with a toe or I'm getting pushed back and I feel like I'm pressing into my heels. And that's kind of how I can, I love that, you know, like, like you were saying, like, I don't get the, uh, huh or the, uh, uh, and I Uh also find myself a lot of times going, I don't know why. And that's been a trigger phrase for me. As soon as I'm like, this feels like X, I don't know why. And recognizing like, you don't have to know why it's okay. Mm. I grew up with a mom whose mantra was, um, to divert from the plan is death. Literally, we would say that in our house. <laughs> you want to talk about wow. powerful words, right? And it right. was very well-meaning. Wow. She had me, she had me super young and then consequent or and then subsequently had four more kids. So there are five of us, five Ooh. kids, seven humans to wow. navigate life, right? Um, and spanning 10 years or yeah, 10 years, five kids in 10 years. Wow. So to divert from the plan was a big deal because everybody had to be somewhere yeah. at one time. And sometimes yeah. there were three drivers and sometimes there was one and there was school stuff and there was house stuff and there was church stuff. And it was all just, and, but I grew up with that phrase, right? So yeah. when something doesn't mm. make sense to me, it means it's, we're not following the plan. And mm. then that's death, literally death, mm-hmm. right? Like in my, my body didn't know any different. So having to learn wow. that that phrase, but I don't know why meant okay, now it's time to listen to your intuition because you don't mm-hmm. have to know why, if you know why, right? Yeah. So that was, that yep. was me. And I love that. I, and the other nugget that I wanted to pull out of what you were saying is men can be good at intuition. It's possible. I don't sure. think they, it's, it's not a part of that divine masculine to be really good at intuition. It is part of the divine mm-hmm. feminine to be really right. good. At right. Right. And so listening to whatever part. I feel like my intuition lives like right below my sternum. I don't know why. It's just the piece mm-hmm. of my gut that like speaks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't know why. You hear that? But that's where yep. yeah. wow. learning, learning to tap into that is a divinely feminine thing, whether you're spiritual or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, the podcast is called She's a Powerhouse. And right. I feel like a lot of our powerhouse quality is mm-hmm. intuition. Can you shut off totally. the ego? Can you shut off that forebrain and listen intuitively and do the things Mm. that don't make sense. Because I think we find a lot of success, even worldly success, even traditional, the idea of success in shut it off and listen to what your body is telling you, listen to your intuition, because it'll, it'll let you know which direction to head. So I love, like, I love that you pulled that out of there. That was phenomenal. So Mm. what, what's next? I love that. I was like, what do you want to promote? And you're like, nothing. I just want to be on the show. And I was like, Oh, (laughs) 
you were the hell yes. You were the toe grip because I was like, oh, I love everything about this. Um, so tell me like what's, as you're going through this beautiful journey, it sounds like through mm-hmm. like healing yourself and really getting to know and peeling back the layers, what are you heading into? What's next for you? Well, um, that's a lot. I, and I feel it's so funny because I'm very grateful because there's like 12 different avenues I can go down and I'm just really trying to get clear. I'm like, but what do I want? Um, because all of them will be very, uh, without a doubt, any one of them will be successful, Mm -hmm. but is it truly in alignment with me? I don't know. So I'm, I'm still kind of figuring it out, but what I will say is, um, I'm directing a couple different projects and I'm also, um, going to be going to New Jersey and New York for treatment. So I was, um, diagnosed with Lyme disease and co-infections and, lots of toxicity and mold and like 10 or so fibroid tumors. Um, and it's been, it's been real epic to say the least. And so what I've decided is I've been loosely documenting it, um, on social media. I was kind of cryptic at first. And, uh, cause I had the limiting belief that if I outed myself, on this platform that the casting directors and directors and producers that all follow me will then be like, Oh, well, we don't want to hire she, her. She's the weird, sick Lyme girl, you know what I, Like, and that yeah. became the, the, and I, I quickly shattered that. Um, but so, so what I'm doing is, um, I've been having some production calls and I'm going to create a documentary around, uh, healing and what it looks like from a conventional standpoint, an integrative standpoint and metaphysical standpoint. And, um, it's, yeah, yeah. So, uh, it looks like I'll be filming that in March. Um, and, uh, the goal with that is to, you know, have Netflix or, you know, HBO max or, you know, Amazon pick up a distribution deal. And so, yeah, but it's, it's a little scary because it's totally my, my baby and has to do with, all of me. Uh, but I'm really hopeful because the statistics around fibroid tumors and Lyme disease are so astounding and not enough people are talking about it and not enough people know about it. So fully agree. And, and it kind of twofold, you get to tell your story, which Mm -hmm. you were saying, you've kind of been looking for an opportunity to do that, right? Like that's where you've Mm -hmm. been headed and you get the benefit of, of telling the story to people who need to hear it, the people who are struggling. I've, yeah, I come across those two things often, especially in women. So providing, I think just everybody wants to know they're not alone. So even if they're just relating to a woman on a Netflix show about something they also went through, they know they're not alone. And that's phenomenal. That's absolutely beautiful. I love that. It makes my heart so warm. Thank you. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, I'm going to stick around here with Noelle for a little while. She's going to teach our power players a few things about business stuff. Um, I man, I hope mindset, but if you go into anything else, it's totally cool. (laughs) But all this mindset stuff. So she's going to hang out and teach with me. Um, there, if you want to join the power players, I want you to go to uh the powerhousepod.co and find the link to join power players. We do onboarding the first week of every month. You can also find show notes there. Um, you can find where 
to find us, this powerhouse or this podcast elsewhere. If you want to listen to it on a different platform or see us on YouTube, um, you can take our quiz to find out where your clients are. All the fun stuff for starting your own business is there. Noelle, thank you so much for joining us today. You were, this was amazing. And I love getting to know you a little bit better and what you had to offer for us. So thank you. Thank you.